Sunday nights here on SEN. Jordan Canellis with you. You can send us a text at any time, 0433981116 on the 40 Winks temper text, or you can give us a call, 1300 736 736. We are into finals now around the state leagues in Australia. We've obviously got the AFL finals coming up in a week from now, but the VFL, the Waffle, the Sandful, even uh, Queensland as well, all into their final series. And we've had a good look at the VFL over the last two days. And uh, the host of the VFL's State of Play podcast, Joey Pignataro, is with us here on SEN. Evening to you, Joey. How's things? Jordy, I'm going well. Thanks for having me on, mate. Good to chat. Let's, uh, let's have a chat about these VFL finals. Uh, it, was, it was all a bit... Uh, it's all been a bit one-sided in the first week. Well, the first week proper of the finals. We had the play-in last week, which we'll chat about in just a second. But... For the uh, for the most um, pertinent uh, topic so far, which is this weekend's matches, it's all been it's all been pretty one sided. All the favourites got through. Yeah, it really has been. Um, the Gold Coast Suns have been the, the favourite right throughout the home and away season. When you talk about the two teams in Queensland, and uh, they played the Brisbane Lions a few weeks ago in the home and away season, which was an interesting battle. The Lions got the jump on them, and the Suns were able to peg them back. And I reckon some mental demons for the Lions came out of that game and and went into the contest yesterday. Obviously, both sides have had the week off, but, you know, the form line of Chris Burgess and Roddy McLaughlin, the two twin towers of the forwards of the Gold Coast Suns, have just become this unstoppable force this year. And I, Jordy, no level of football have seen a team score the way the Gold Coast did. And they set up a day yesterday with, with seven goals, or well, last night, in fact, with seven goals, and, you know, stand their premiership credentials. Um, where would be a Box Hill... Tigers are on this incredible winning streak. Their last loss was in round three, if you can believe that. Michael Barlow's got this standalone club with 16 wins in a row now, and they're one win away from being in the grand final, which I actually can't believe that I'm sitting here talking to you about a standalone club doing that when you consider some of the talent of the AFL sides that are inside this top 10 that we've finished with. The fairy tale story is Williamstown and what's going on out there. They finished in the bottom three last year and Justin Platt managed to do some off-season recruiting. Of course, the famous name Ben Jolly has come back to the Seagulls. Unfortunately, he wasn't out there yesterday, but their story continues. And then, I guess the surprise packet in some sort of way is the reigning Premier's place of demons are now out. But mm. if you had a look at the team Thursday night, you notice what Melbourne are doing in terms of pulling out Tom McDonald, Brody Grundy, uh, James Jordan and a couple of others. They were really undermanned and Footscray Another team who now are on an 11-game winning streak, and uh, they were part of um, well, getting into the top six. They had the week off last week. Casey had to play, and I feel like that just impacted the ones that did play last week having that extra game and maybe some less run in the legs yesterday. Let's, uh, let's have a chat about Werribee because uh, they were involved in the closest match uh, in yesterday's slate of games with a 20-point win over Box Hill. This was second versus third qualifying final. And, uh, and Michael Barlow, someone who's a, a great friend of ours here at SEN, part of our AFL Nation team, um, he's only been in charge of Werribee for a couple of years, if I'm right there, Joe, and, and he's turned this uh, team into a powerhouse side who finished equal first, I guess, on points, second on percentage at the top of the table on in the VFL. But he has, he's created a, 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 a just a well-oiled machine at Werribee. What's he done in, in the years that he's been there? He really has. There's no question about that. The way he's gone about it, his coaching philosophy. We spoke to him a couple of times this year on the State of Play podcast, just around his philosophy. And, you know, he'll use the mentality that 
Um, it's us against them. We've got our backs against the wall. We're the underdog story. And they're sort of his themes going into the game. He's been very fortunate, I guess, as all teams who finish inside the top four have to be, Geordie. You know, injuries haven't been a significant factor. And the times the, the Tigers have had to go down with a the player, they've been able to bring in a ready-made replacement from the feeder clubs that uh, where we are aligned with. You could even argue, if you look back at their results, their round one loss was to Brisbane by a point. Wiley Buzzer kicked the goal in about the 25th minute to give the Lions the lead for the first time in the day, and it was wet up in Queensland that first game of the year. And then they lost to the Cats in round uh, four, it was. They kicked 5-17 and blew the game themselves, really. They could have potentially caught through this year undefeated. And then you've got guys like Tom Gribble, was last year's Liston Trophy winner, who just accumulates possession of will. You've got a bloke called Don Brew, who is a tackling machine and just relishes the contest. Sean Manor is a terrific player who's had breakout games this year of 35, 40 disposals. But this year he's been able to hit the scoreboard as well across the half-forward flank and in the forward pockets. And then there's a bloke called Kai DeClace, who is uh, one of six players who's part of the Team of the Year spot that was announced last week. Yesterday, he managed to kick three goals and be a real factor for them. I've seen the last couple of years develop his game on the wing, but again, a bit like Sean Manor, he's been able to go forward and uh, be part of a forward line structure that's been really impactful on the scoreboard. And then down in defence, I mean, they don't really concede big scores. The last few games of the home and away season, no one got above 65, and they were able to sort of curtail the Box Hill Hawks' influence yesterday. And uh, they're going to go, well... A long, long way. I reckon they could definitely win their preliminary final. That'll be at home at Avalon Airport Oval, and they could give the Gold Coast Suns a genuine shake if they're both to make the grand final in a few weeks' time. So both standalone teams then had wins yesterday, so Werribee and, and Williamstown were the other ones. They they uh, really gave Collingwood a, a hiding, 82-27, to 27. Um, and so they got through their elimination final. They'll play next week, but they are the only two standalone teams who made the top uh, the top eight, also the top ten, I suppose, if you want to count in those those play-in teams, and the rest of the the standalone teams were were well in the bottom half of the VFL ladder. So we know it is harder for the standalone teams because they don't have the resources that get fed down from the AFL clubs uh, for those teams who are aligned. Just exactly what though is are the main hurdles for those standalone teams to have to navigate their way through a VFL season? Well, I think that's the biggest one, is the fact that the resources aren't there. The the full-time staff or the amount of full-time staff aren't there. We're asking these guys, particularly with Werribee and with Williamstown, to, to put into a full-time program without having the full-time hours. So, I mean, while the, the AFL list of players, and we'll use Collingwood as an example because that's who Williamstown played yesterday, but those blokes, a majority of the team, Use, you know, Monday to Friday are doing recovery. They're, they're at the AIA Centre and they're training. That's what they're getting paid to do. These folks are on the tools throughout the day. Some of them are in offices and then they've got to go out to DSB Stadium on the beach on a cold, wet Tuesday night in June and, and put in the two, three hours that's required. And Justin Platt has been able to, to turn over his list this year. And again, they're really big on buying into a culture that these guys want to be a part of. There is a fine line, I guess, and I'm also aligned with the AMOs or the VAFA, and a lot of our players often will weigh up whether it's worth the additional stress, the additional pressure to play in the VFL, or have that relaxed sort of nature of a Tuesday, Thursday night with their with their feeder clubs, because 
the eyeballs aren't there, the pressure isn't there, but they know at Williamstown, they know at Werribee, if they put that over the ball, if they do the hours that these coaches are asking for them, they're going to be rewarded with games every single weekend. And for Williamstown in particular, off the back of last year, it was such a tough year for them. As I said, I think they won two games and finished in the bottom three. To be sitting in the finals in a semi-final weekend, the blokes who are there understand that all this hard work is paying off for them and it's worth every single one of those cold nights down in, in June along the beach. The other uh, elimination final yesterday was Footscray against Casey and this was uh, one of the, the biggest blowouts of the weekend, 148-69, to 69, a massive win for Footscray. And you mentioned earlier that uh, Casey rested a lot of their AFL uh, listed players, so uh, Tom McDonald, as you said, Brody Grundy, there was a handful of others. Um, is there an issue that, that the VFL might need to um, try and curtail here in, in, in years going forward where teams who make the AFL finals might rest their players on this weekend where the AFL has a pre-finals bye and so therefore you know, Footscray were able to play as strong a team as they as they wanted because their AFL team is out of their season. But the Melbourne team had to wanted to rest some of those names in case they get used for next week. So giving them this week off uh, with the AFL alignment. Is there is there uh, a cause maybe for the VFL to maybe bring in a rule of some sort to say there's a limit on how many AFL players you can bring in or out of a team uh, throughout the season and particularly in finals? Well, it's an interesting question and it's one I don't actually know the answer to. Uh, particularly in this situation, because, I mean, the Bulldogs obviously are out of playing in the AFL, but they've managed to have 18 listed players qualify for this year's final series when it comes to playing the amount of VFL games that you need to play throughout the final series. I mean, we've got a situation where the Gold Coast Suns, sitting on top of the ladder, have got 21 or 22 AFL listed players running around every single week throughout the home and away season. The, The clubs down here obviously have got sort of smaller list sizes and then those VFL players who will miss out on games will go back to their local footy club. It's it's an interesting one with the Casey Demons because I dare say if uh, there was AFL on the weekend, um, I don't know if those five blokes are sitting out and watching that game on the sidelines. I think a couple of them are playing and uh, obviously, you know, it's an interesting one being a Thursday night final too. Had it been a Saturday, you obviously have a full week of recovery whether that changes the way they approach and attack the game. Now it's going to be fascinating to watch what Casey do, not having the VFL side, uh, sorry, Melbourne, not having Casey go through this final series. Because last year, of course, they had the opportunity to do that because Casey went on and won the grand final. But if you're not playing now, you're not getting any more minutes Mm. into your leg. So if they want to see what Brodie Grundy can do at full forward, they're going to have to do it in the AFL side because he's not going to be able to do it on the weekend in the VFL, particularly through the final series. And, I mean, the other thing, going back a few years, remember the uh, when it was the Box Hill Hawks, Cyril Rioli played in a grand final yeah. for the VFL a week out from the Hawthorne Footy Club playing in the AFL. And, of course, Marlon Pickett a couple of years ago with the Tigers. He was obviously a, a VFL player right throughout that year and did enough in the VFL grand final to earn his debut on AFL grand final day. I'm not sure what the answer is. I feel like there might be a level of the competition being compromised because of this. But at the end of the day, the the focus of the VFL when it comes to the AFL-listed program is we've got to get minutes into our players' legs. And if they want to be good enough to be playing in the AFL, well, then they've got to perform at this level. Um, maybe there's some tweaks we can make to the fixture, to the structure. I read and heard recently, I think it was Scott Penderbury talking about uh, move this pre-finals by to the week before the grand final 
he might have been Ross Lyon as well earlier on in the week. Yeah. He was more around the concussion stuff. But obviously, if we had done that, we have a game of Melbourne and Collingwood this weekend. The Casey Demons fall into line with that. I don't know. Have you got a thought on it? Um, I, I think... I don't know. I think that there is something to be said about you know having players play in the finals. Do you want to have those players play VFL finals if they're in it to have minutes? I guess if your AFL team is in the finals too. But I also think that for quite a while the VFL has almost been um, treated as a second-rate competition. I mean, I guess in a way it kind of is. It's the second tier of, of football in Australia, but but it's it's treated a little bit just as a as a sort of a, a, a practice ground or a training ground when for a lot of these players and and these teams especially the standalone teams they treat it like a, it's a proper league it is a proper league for them it's a competitive um competition there's there's a, a, a premiership flag and a premiership cup on the line and i think that it, i don't like that it gets sometimes treated with a bit of disdain from uh maybe the afl further up the, the chain or um the afl clubs uh who are you know looking after their vfl players as well i think there needs to be as much um it needs to be as sort of dignified a, a proper competition of football as, as it can be, I think. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. And, I mean, I, a lot of uh, local football clubs will talk about the the positive change they did make by getting rid of the uh, VFL Development League, which was the VFL reserves, mm. to allow clubs to, at local football, have access to those players who miss out. But going the other way, it is an interesting dynamic. And I'll be interested to see what happens over the next couple of years, particularly around, and you, you mentioned this with Werribee and Williamstown being strong when it comes to standalone, and then near the bottom of the table, we've got the rest of the standalone teams who are somewhat struggling, um, it must be said, to, to win games of football and, and to recruit talented players who are, who are up to the level. I mean, there were times throughout the year where the Northern Bullants would walk out in the field and 20 minutes later, they were already six, seven goals down, and you just see the shoulders shrunk, the head drop, and you know, they've got to stand out there for another three quarters and try and compete with these AFL players. Joe Pignataro with us here on SEN, the uh, VFL State of Play podcast. He is the host of Let's Rewind a Week, Joe, just to the wildcard weekend last week. And this is something that has been uh, sort of floated in and out of discussions in, in AFL spaces before about having a wildcard weekend. So ninth and 10th on the ladder, playing 7th and 8th. And that was brought in for the first time this season in the VFL and um, it went ahead last week, and um, the teams who finished eighth, uh, seventh, and eighth um, were, were comprehensive in their victories over ninth and tenth. It was seventy-five <laughs> points and one hundred and one-point victories. Uh, Collingwood and Casey last week uh, defeating Richmond and, and North Melbourne. Um, the wild card weekends. I mean, it, if you're looking for sort of a close weekend of of you know hard-fought footy for these teams scrapping for a place in the finals, we didn't quite get that, did we? It, it didn't work. Uh, on the first uh, the first trial, yeah. So the weekend itself obviously didn't, but the weeks leading up to it certainly made us on state of play uh, very interested onlookers because we were still talking about teams that were eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, even fourteenth, um, because they were still mathematically a chance to get there. Had we not had a wild card weekend, as most football competitions don't, uh, we'd probably have our top eight set four, five, maybe even six weeks out from the season. And then the bottom teams are shuffling. Now, we don't have a draft period when it comes to the VFL, so they're just shuffling for positions in the bottom of the ladder that, that really mean nothing. Um, when it comes to the particular wildcard weekend itself, so Richmond had to win against North Melbourne in round 22 
to get into the wild card spot. They had to beat them by X amount because Carlton were absolutely thrashed by the Gold Coast Suns. And in the end, the Blues went from, I think they started the weekend in seventh and fell to 11th by the time round 22 had finished. So, um, you know, Carlton fans have obviously got their eye on what's going on in the AFL playing in September, but it was eerily similar to what happened to the Blues 12 months ago in the AFL that they fell out of uh, favour when it comes to finals in the VFL anyway. Um, and the Kangaroos were just blown off the park by a much stronger Casey Demons lineup and uh, they've been impacted by a couple of injuries, retirements effective immediately to Ben Cunnington, who was a, a key pillar in their midfield for much of the second half of the year. I think Aaron Hall didn't play as well on that particular day. And uh, obviously Casey had the strength of the Brodie Grundys, the Tom McDonalds, James Jordans. Unfortunately, Luke Dunson tore his ACL, but he was uh, pivotal for Casey. And then Collingwood, they actually trailed at half time to the Tigers and then exploded in the third quarter with nine goals and put the game beyond doubt. The biggest issue for the Pies last week was Reef McInnes injured his collarbone and Josh Carmichael went out with concussion and they were both key pillars to the Magpies midfield who just couldn't go with Williamstown yesterday. And I did notice for Collingwood fans who might be catching up on this news, Ash Johnson hurt his forearm and was out of the game, which obviously probably puts a line through for Thursday night too, which is not ideal if you're alone with a black and white. Joe, a look ahead to next week. What have we got for the semifinals? So next weekend, we are heading uh, to the uh, Queensland again. Brisbane will be hosting Williamstown. And Box Hill will be hosting uh, Footscray at Box Hill City Oval. Interestingly enough, Geordie, both of these games played on August 21. Round 21 was the last time these sides met. Both played on the same day. Williamstown upset Brisbane uh, on that day up in Brisbane by a goal. I'm not sure that's going to happen here. I'd love to see it to keep the fairy tale story going. Hopefully, Ben Jolly can add to his game's record and play, but he may be touch and go in a few days' time. And then Box Hill and Footscray, well, if Box Hill want to win, they've got to stop one man, the captain of the Scray, Lockie Sullivan, who yesterday had 32 disposals. Last time they met, he had 30. The bloke is feeding him unbelievable, Geordie. He's got to get his paperwork in for the uh, draft this year because he's got to find his way onto a list. And I know Luke Beveridge has just cut Mitch Hannon, who was a former teammate of Lockie's. Maybe there's a spot there for Lockie to come into over the off-season, but he'll be pivotal if the Scray want to go and make it 12 wins in a row next weekend. Joey, it's been fantastic having you on the show tonight. Thank you very much for the update, and I'm sure we'll catch up again throughout the course of the finals. Always a pleasure, Geordie. Have a great night. Enjoy yourself. Joey Pignataro with us here on the... Uh, Sunday night program here on SEN. He's from the the State of Play podcast, the VFL podcast. Make sure you go and check him out, Joe Pignataro. That's the, the VFL finals wrap done for this week, and we'll check back in next week.